From Westside Church in Bend, Oregon, you're listening to Behind the Message. Each week we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. And I'm Evan Earwicker, and we're here once again with Pastor Steve. Hey, everybody. When I, are you going to get tired of me? I, I'm just wondering about that. Yeah, you're on a roll. Bo goes, yeah, on, goes on sabbatical and just kind of... like four weekends, five weekends, something like that in goodness. a row. Yeah, it's pretty unusual. And uh, coming off of a study break, you're, you're just, you got tons of material now. So jazzed. I'm so yeah. ready to start going back <laughs> into it. So it's, it's been fun. Yeah. Um, and next week, by the way, we're going to be live at our Denominations District Conference, and we're going to be doing the podcast in a live setting as a Q&A. Uh, all three of us will be there, so we'll be posting that probably next Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, should be an interesting week for that. Yeah, it's so. a cool opportunity to talk a little bit about generational ministry, what our vision is for the church with regards to... Uh, cradle through college and how that's seen by the senior pastor and how that's seen by the leadership of Westside Church. So um, if you want a glimpse into the vision of what that is all about, and even if you know, you're know you not a leader in a church, but you're going to Westside and you think, what are the values exactly? This is an opportunity for us to take some time, talk about the vision, and then even answer a lot of people's questions along the way. So it's, it's definitely going to be a must lesson for everyone out there. Yeah. Um, Steve, this last week you preached on kind of what the community that God is building should look like and does look like. Tell us a little bit about, um, as this relates to the vision of the church, how you kind of came to this is where we want to go. Yeah, it's most of it, Evan, is that the church has gotten a really bad rap. And I'll be honest, I remember one of the first messages series I did here, we kind of went off and attacked ourselves a little bit and in a good way and sense that we need to be honest about you know the church's shortcomings but what i've seen um in in church culture as well as in regular culture is that the church we all now think it's irrelevant and there's it's not good and it's like and i was as i was on study break i, I really felt god said just reminded me what the church is and what it's supposed to be and that is a really high bar, not a low bar, and it's and it's and it's inspirational. And so that's for me was wanting to get back to that of just describing the kind of church Jesus wanted to build um, when he first said that to Peter. You know that I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't come against it. Um, and what does that look like? And I think we sometimes feel the permission because we're inside the church as church leaders to really rag on the church yeah. and really be down on the church, uh, but. I think being part of it, yeah, we can look at it with maybe more of a critical eye, but in the end, it's still the the bride of Christ, right? It's still something that yeah. is precious to God. And we need God. to be authentic about the, it, our shortcomings without a doubt. But right. then when we are doing things well, or we want to do things better, let's lean into that rather than just continue to bemoan, oh, how bad we are, um, and inspire people to live differently. And I think that's what this series has been, hopefully... Hopefully, achieving, you never really know. And authenticity but. isn't this constant self deprecating thing. And I right. hope that people don't feel like that in their life. Like, if you're being authentic with people, then you are constantly talking about how crummy you are. Like, right. that's not the idea of, of authenticity or, or being real, you know. And, and you're right. I feel that in the church sometimes that it's become the hip thing to make fun of the church, even though we are in the church. And, and absolutely, we want to be honest about the shortcomings. And I think 
Evan and I spend more time making fun of some of the worship music that we used to play and listen to, <laughs> especially in the '90s more than anything, or some, um, of, the, or some of the worship songs Evan wrote. Even. Oh my goodness! <laughs> wow, guys, that shot's fired. Um, that wasn't even an athletic joke. We're talking about music now. <laughs> That's you, a low blow. You mock me of my athletics and my music. I don't even know where I live anymore. Where's my identity, guys? Good You're Lord. a great preacher. Oh, thanks. Um, I think, but and you've written some great. Songs. Songs, you have written some great songs. There wow. we go. Now well, we're backtracking. Moving on, moving on. This podcast had hot takes just a second ago. Yeah. Now we're being nice again. <laughs> um, but it is important to, to remember that that you're absolutely right. The gates of hell will not pre- to, will not prevail against it. And sometimes we have this attitude that, well, and you know, in the story of Hosea, we're just Gomer and we're just, you know, running away and we're constantly broken and this and that. And we are broken. We are in need of the perfection of Jesus. But ultimately, he has given us power That's right. to accomplish his goal. Yeah. And we, and we as the church, need to live into uh, what Jesus inspired his his followers to live into in terms of what the church would look like. And that's why, I mean, I titled the series Guardians. It's not about protecting, you know, you know, un- get behind a wall and protecting, but it's like, hey, we have something to steward here that is, is a gift from God to us and to our community. The church should be a gift to our city. Um, and how can we live into that? And that was even a big discussion in teaching team, right? Is guardians the right word? Yeah. Um, Because does does it sound really protective and all that stuff? First of all, this is how deep sometimes we can outthink ourselves. (laughs) And nobody really ever thinks about a title after we preach anyway. It's like, what What was that name of that? But you're right. We don't want to come off that way either. No. You talk about the early church in this message, and uh, what I think about sometimes is, was the early church the perfect model for us to follow after, or was the early church the first of something that God was building on top of? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you're right, Evan. I think that there's a lot of people who want to, let's just go back and do everything exactly like the early church. Well, it, we can't. I mean, there's not. it's not even possible because our cultures are completely different. The economy is completely different. The belief systems of the culture are completely different. But there are some key principles I think we see in the early church of generosity and community and um, connecting with one another that we absolutely should try to emulate and build on um, from what we see in the early church. And in the New Testament, we find the early church leaders, whether it be Luke writing the book of Acts or Paul, I think of especially like uh, in 1 Corinthians, um, they're very... They're very open about the shortcomings of the early church. I mean, they're yeah. they're just laying it out of That's here's good. where there's sin in the church. Here's where we're not thinking right. Um, I think you mentioned the council um, yeah, Jerusalem of Jerusalem council. in yep. Acts 11. Yep. These are times when the early church is not necessarily getting it right, and they're having to wrestle out some of these issues like we do today. Yeah, and I, I think what we often do, though, is we take like Paul's writings of correction to churches, and we put that on healthy churches. As if they need to, like everybody, we need to bring correction all the time rather than inspiring people to live into something, you know, nobody, nobody gets inspired by don't, don't do this. My kids don't, you guys don't, nobody gets inspired by telling us what we can't do. They get inspired by listening to what, what we might be able to do Mm. as the church. Yeah. In the message, you said something that was a little controversial, at least in one of the services. I think the 1045, you said this phrase, not for verbatim, but paraphrase it. You said, I'm not going to say that Jesus was a communist, but he kind of was. Yeah, I was talking about the generosity uh, that they shared everything they had, and I used the story of us living in former communist Yugoslavia, and uh, and so I did make that comment. I mean, and I don't think I did it in every service, but I I just I, I re- referred to communism in every service, but not to the degree that I did. <laughs> and it was really funny. I had two different people come up to me. One was a little older, and they said, oh, "I don't know about that," and then another one that was a little bit younger said, "I loved it." <laughs> it was oh really, my! It goodness. was really funny to me because it was Sign the same the service, same thing. 
and it was like, okay, well, there it is. And I love, I love that our church is that way. But, um, it is true though, that, um, you know, there, you know, communism is like, you know, there's no, I, in my opinion, there's no right political system. You know, um, American democracy has holes and gaps. Um, obviously Soviet communism did too. I mean, so it's not about a political system. Jesus didn't come to do that, but the idea, ideal of sharing everything you have, those who have giving to those who don't have is absolutely a Jesus value. There's no way around it. That yeah. is what he loved. That's what he lived. And it's not, and, and what, what happens in political systems is they force people to give. Mm-hmm. They force people who have to give to those who don't have. That's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is it comes from inside. I want to do this. I want to, if I have something that someone else needs, I want to be able to share that. I heard a pastor say that the closer that the gospel gets to political power, the more corrupt it becomes. I think we've seen that some of the darkest eras in Christianity have been when it's been completely one and the same with the state. Absolutely. With people in power, Mm -hmm. and then corruption works its way in. So when you say Jesus was kind of a communist, um, obviously not in a political sense, a political ideology. Not in a violent sense either. No. Some people equate communists, especially, you know, Soviet, you know, kind of thing. That was a movement of communism that was born out of violence. Of course, we're not talking about that. But I think it's, it's good to bring up that any... Um, element of, I think, Jesus' teaching or way, if you try to make that into a political system yeah. and then enforce it, yeah. it's going to become corrupt. Yeah, Jesus wasn't, isn't a Republican. Jesus isn't a Democrat. Jesus isn't a communist. Jesus isn't a socialist. Jesus is not. He's apolitical. Right. Um, and what he his teachings, but they do come to bear on every political system uh, if, if we allow it to. Yeah. For instance, Jesus said, uh, turn the other cheek. Don't repay evil with evil. Um, if you apply that to a nation and say, no more defending yourself. Um, how would that work out? Right. You right. Know? And is that is that upholding the integrity of you, Jesus calls us to protect our families as well? You know, he says that that those who neglect their Paul said those who neglect their families are worse than an unbeliever. You know, you yeah. gotta you have to compare scripture against scripture yeah, always when always. it comes to this. Stuff. Yeah, and you have to be careful that you don't take what Jesus meant intended for the church. And try to place it over government and other other systems, uh, social systems. Um, he meant these values to be lived out in a community of faith, um, primarily. So, what should government do? What should we hope for government if we don't feel like this is meant to be projected onto government? What do we hope for them? Well, that's a that's a that's a deep question, Evan. Because if you are asking a, a a Chinese Christian that same question, they've just they've they've just went underground. And they said, that, well, our faith isn't dependent upon our government, whether they, they let us meet or not meet. Here in America, it's such a different thing because we have so much freedom of religion uh, and freedom of speech that we have room to allow our faith to impact um, these other arenas. And so I would say, um, you know, let your light so shine before men, right? Let, let, let salt flavor the earth. So get out there, and if, you're, if you want to be involved in government, Get out there and be involved in government. Just don't try to put the church, don't try to make the government the church. Mm-hmm. Don't try to get them to become Christ followers. It's not about that. It's about infiltrating as the people of God into government and into social systems and bringing life there. Um, 
personally and individually and and uh, and I think that I think that's more of what Jesus would probably say. And don't choose to only bring life into a situation if you feel like the government has deemed it okay to do so. You know, it's for us to. I think we like it almost as an excuse as Christian people to say, "Well, they're just they took the Ten Commandments out of school, so I don't know what to do now." And it's like it's we throw up these excuses as well. These people are against me, and these people hate me, and so I'm going to abandon them to whatever end they might find. And that's not the intention at all. Jesus, the, the church was born into the ultimate of persecution. To actual real persecution where people were being found in their homes and hunted down and and crucified and burned and destroyed in incredible ways. And and for us to just throw up our hands at, at a government change or government reform, and I'm all for you know, good policy and electing wonderful officials and politicians. But the fact that we as the church could say, well, the nation is against us. And so we choose to throw up our hands and quit is the exact opposite of what the church was born. Yeah, or, or, you know, roll up our hands into fists and fight. So either right. quit or fight. Right. And yeah. it's neither one is the way of Jesus, in my opinion. And I think, I think the more that we fight, to be honest, Ben, the more that the, the other, the other side of the argument uh, stands even stronger against the gospel. And mm-hmm. so why do we come with that? Why don't we come with love and service and and giving and generosity and compassion and kindness and gentleness and all that stuff? If we come with that, you know, people's guards are going to be you know, put down. They're not going, they're going to start to trust us again. Um, and of course this is a little bit of utopia and I'm like, what? But, I mean, <laughs> I actually believe that if the church lived out the values of Jesus, we could see ch- real change happen in our nation. Yeah. And I don't want to underplay the role that symbolism has had throughout the centuries. I think it's, it's kept a lot of, you know, um, elements of our faith coherent through centuries, but sometimes I feel like, um, American Christians can major on symbolism. So we have, you know, we're going to fight to have the Ten mm-hmm. Commandments in the courthouse, or we're going to fight to get Christmas back on our coffee cups or whatever it is. Those are symbols. Um, do they really matter that much? Is that what we're going to fight culture? Yeah. On? Tell me, tell me one person right. that came to Jesus because of the 10 commandments. There's not one. So why are we fighting that battle? Why are we going to, you know, even, mm-hmm. even to the point where I've heard some crazy Christians, we're going to take up arms, you know, I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, this is like the way of love. And if people get that, they yeah. might actually get Jesus. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. I mean, I even think about, um, the Starbucks Christmas cups. Yeah. What was that last year, two years yeah. ago? And it does It does seem like, and I'm not saying it's just Christians, but it certainly feels that way, especially, and maybe this is just the, the social media kind of echo chamber feel of it. But sometimes I really feel like Christians are so much more passionate about what color the Starbucks cup is than, than actually really <laughs> loving the neighbor. And again, we're kind of getting back to, you know, are we bashing the church or this or that? Um, I'm, I'm not really trying to bash the church as a whole, but it really feels like a lot of these movements and these outcries come come for things that I don't really think are going to last or stand the test yeah. of time. We're missing the point in a lot of situations. One of the, one of the, uh, sorry, Evan, one of the um, leaders in our church who heard them uh, has been in this series wrote to me just recently. And so what if, and this was inspired by just thinking about what the church could be. What if every West Sider took the same day every uh, once a week, maybe a Monday and they bought the food of somebody standing in the line behind them, or they bought the coffee of somebody in the line behind them, or they, and we just did that specific thing. And 4,000, people in Bend in Central Oregon on the same day did this, what kind of an impact will we make? And she was just thinking about what what different narrative could we form as the people of God mm. to help change people's thinking about the church? And unfortunately, uh, many times acts of kindness don't have the same kind of viral quality 
as saying, you mm-hmm. know, culture's coming after your Christmas cups for some reason. <laughs> that's why the Westboro Baptist Church is a lot more famous than Westside Church. Well, that's ben. exactly it. Anger and outliers become viral, and then that becomes what the conversation's about. And things like everyday kindness and acting out the love of Jesus um, just kind of gets... Well, and that comes up another point, Evan, I think that we've got to be careful of, is that we try to make the conversation about Christ national, a national conversation. It was always meant to be localized. It was right. never It was never meant, I mean, Jesus spoke to a very small part of the globe, um, and it, but it had effect outside of that because of people going into their communities and the gospel spreading through individual lives in individual cities. And I yeah. think the more we try to nationalize the conversation, uh, the more we lose because the media just loves to highlight all the crazies out there mm-hmm. on both sides of issues. And, and they never highlight the people who are just doing really good work every day, um, serving their neighbor, caring for the, caring for the people that are poor. Um, bringing racial reconciliation to a community. They don't really highlight people like that. And what it sounds like to me, you know, if I could sum it up in my own mind, kind of the effort of what we're trying to have a conversation about here is can we tip the scale in Christianity to letting the world know what we're for as opposed to more of what we're against? Yeah. Because what we're against gets all the publicity. And can you overwhelm that and actually tip it back in the other direction that it's not, you know, Christianity isn't against Democrats and Christianity isn't against rights and Christianity isn't against people that kneel during the Star Spangled Banner. It's for people. It's for giving. It's for kindness and it's for grace. Yeah, Casey Rhodes, the mayor of Ben, um, was talking to the pastors of Ben um, a couple weeks ago, and uh, and he made this statement. And I wrote it down. And I and I and I need to make a commitment to this because he said there's never been a pastor or or even a Christian from a church come to a city council meeting and just get up and say, "You guys have a huge, heavy responsibility." Yeah. I just wanted you to know I'm praying for you open mic every Wednesday night at city council meetings and nobody ever gets up and just says, I'm praying for you. I'm with you. I'm standing with you. You guys are doing a great job. And Casey made that statement. I thought, Oh my gosh, what if the church just did that? Yeah. The kind of ripples that that would have in Mm -hmm. city council members that probably don't agree with each other or with the church would be pretty powerful. That would be. And the disarming of a conversation when um, you don't come with an agenda, I think is powerful. And it's something that the church misses out on a lot. Yeah. Um, We don't have to, you know, necessarily come with answers or agendas or here's how we're going to fix the city. Um, a lot of times it's, hey, I'm here. Appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think our agenda, there's one agenda and it's love. It yeah. really is. And I mean, I just, I just feel like we got we to gotta keep coming back to this. Even as I saw what happened in Las Vegas earlier this week and just how quickly um, we use that to polarize ourselves even more rather than injecting just the uh, crazy acts of love that are happening all over Vegas right now. Um, and not just in the church, but in just really good people's lives, you know, that are, they're, they're meeting needs and we don't, we don't highlight that stuff, but that's what, that's where I want to live my life is in those kinds of conversations. Is in that kind of a world where we respond with love in every case. And it seems to bring us back to the basics again and again and again. And I think sometimes we use Bible studies and we use opportunities or maybe uh, some listeners out there might use time with pastors or leaders or to read books. Cause we want to, if we could just crack this code theologically, if we could just move a little bit deeper. And I once had a student after a, a series come up to me and go, man, we talk a lot about grace during our weekly meetings. And like, can we, like, that's great. Can we move on to, you know? And I was like, 
Uh, I will move on when we get it, you know, and I don't think I do yet. And so I need to keep preaching it. And I think we need to keep talking about it because I don't think if if we can really get there, then let's move on to the meaning of the book of Revelation. But right now, I think we might need to stick with. That's right, Ben, because there's everything in our society, especially in America right now, is opposing the way of grace and love. Without a doubt. I mean, everything you see on the media, everything you just it's we're inundated with this stuff on social media. And we've got to keep bringing that message of hope and love and grace. Not until we get it, because to be honest, I don't think we're going to get to ever really get it. Like, that's good. You know, in a sense of like, oh, I finally, okay, now I can go to the deeper truths. I'm just thinking, man, that's (laughs) like, I want to live the rest of my life there. Right. And I'll leave the deeper stuff to other people at seminaries. You know, I just, mm-hmm. at here in Bend, Oregon, I want to love. And I, I want to love better than than I ever have in my life. Yeah. And Jesus was a simple teacher. I mean, uh, New Testament, Paul, deep theological thinker, book of Hebrews, deep theology. G- the teachings of Jesus, um, difficult at times, mysterious at times, but uh, pretty pretty along the same line for three years. He's talking about the gospel of the kingdom. He's preaching the mercy of God. I mean, yeah. that's Paul, it, right? And Paul had to say, had to write some of the things he wrote because it was the beginning of the church. And we all know that anytime you start something, what you allow to, to kind of hang out, whether it's, you know, sleeping with your mother-in-law, which was one of the things happening in the church, he had to address that because if you don't get that out at the beginning, it has a way of infesting the whole mm-hmm. organization, the whole community. So there were things that Paul wrote, so much of it had to do with the early launching of the church. Well, now why don't we're you teach on that? I mean, I think there's a real need, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Ben. Maybe. Go after yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Just put the explicit E on this yeah. podcast. Yeah, Just kidding. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, Steve, talk to us. Uh, what is Westside doing right now that you're most, not proud of, but what you're most excited about as far as along these lines of showing love to our community and acting this out? What what gets you excited about what Westside is doing There's right now? There's a few things, Evan, but the first thing that comes to mind is I met with a group of 40 uh, marketplace leaders a few weeks ago um, from our city, not all from Westside, but, um, and they are, they're asking questions like, how can our lives make a difference right where we're at in our business and in our community? And when I see that happening, I get really, really excited because the church together um, and everybody operating with their giftings and everybody using um, what God's given them to impact their sphere, that's that's a change maker. That's that that is a tipping point. Um, good programs at Westside. We have things going on that are great, you know, and all essentials is awesome and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, for me, the most exciting thing is when I hear about Westsiders living uh, intentional lives on purpose with a mission in their communities with the love of Jesus. That gets me probably more excited than anything else. And then, of course, I hear about you know. I mean, we gave forty, almost forty thousand dollars to Project Nourish over the last, you know, wow. couple of months, and that stuff like that, I get. I mean, that's really cool, and to just see the generosity of the church extended, not just here locally but globally as well, is exciting. Yeah, and Project Nourish again is the uh, refugee crisis happening in East Africa, the right. famine. It's yeah. going on right now there. It's kind of something that's been lost in the world news. I haven't heard a lot of talk about what this whole initiative. Uh, well, and to be honest, Ben, this one of the reasons we picked it. I'm a little bit of. I'm kind of stubborn in this one thing that if, if the media catches onto something, I usually ignore it mm-hmm. because I don't want the church to be driven by media. And I get, I get emails every week. What are we going to do about, what are right. we going to do about, and whatever tragedy, whatever thing happened, it's like, of course the people of God are like, they're, you know, with compassion want to reach out, but we can't meet every need obviously. Mm-hmm. But I look for those that, that the media is forgotten. That's still probably more devastating 
globally than anything else out there. And that is the famine in, in East Africa. And, and so when I heard about it, it was like, we got to, we, you know, I mean, somebody gave to Houston, I think a, an athlete got millions and millions of dollars. Like $37 raised. million. Dollars, yeah. yeah. Okay. They're, they're good. I mean, I, you know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, I mean, they're good, but, yeah. but East Africa, millions of people starving to death and nobody's talking about it. We got to do something. Yeah. And I think that's just, it's just, just to reiterate, that's just so important for people to hear. Um, you know, I've even had a little feedback, not necessarily real critical, but you know, what are we doing about Las Vegas and what are we doing about Houston? And it, and of course, Westside Church sees those needs. There is no question. Absolutely. Um, but not only was this something that we decided to do initially, um, it's something that in order to really have the impact that we wanted, we wanted to pour a lot of, if not all of our resource uh, into that specific initiative. Yep. And we never stop people, obviously, from um, that have a heart to you right. know go down to Houston or, or you know or do something for the victims in Vegas. Um, we never like, well, don't do that. You know, give to East Africa. I mean, come on. We we connect them to. Um, the many organizations that we have relationship with that are doing um, disaster relief care and pastoral care in these places um, so that their their dollars and their giftings can have an impact wherever their heart is mm-hmm. moved toward. Yeah. So getting back to this idea of on mission real quick, we only have a couple more minutes left. Uh, you use the, the term impacting your sphere. What does it look like to impact your sphere? Because I think sometimes people have this idea that Okay, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to be an active Christian in my in my life, which means I have seven days to preach the gospel to so many people. You know, what does it look like, in your opinion, to have an impact on eyes and ears wide open to what uh, is being talked about, what needs are around them, um, and then respond? Uh, it's seeing the need and doing something about it, and uh, not coming. You know, you don't have to. You can you can come to the church and say, "Hey, could we get you know people together?" But usually, I found that God puts you in a situation in a in a circumstance that that you're best leveraged to do something about because of relationship. And so when you see it or hear it, hmm. don't just say, oh, I'll pray for you. Do pray because we're, we're about to launch into a series on prayer and I believe in it. But do something, do something practical yeah. as well. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not the job of us as professional paid pastors um, to, you know, officially bless everything that happens in the community and say, okay, you're authorized to go do this. No, we're creating environments That's to right. gather, yeah. but what is gathering is the church. It's everybody. It's That's every exactly right. man, I, there woman, was, and child. And that, there's something psychological there, I mean, because there was a church that actually had everybody that, that's going to live on mission stand up, and then he did like a laying on hand service for his entire church because of that <laughs> psychological thing. Well, I need the blessing of my pastor or my priest or my parish you know and and so whoever's listening out there you got it we just waved our cross hand over the microphone and you are blessed and empowered to do the work of jesus (laughs) (laughs) and honestly we're slower you guys if you want to come to us with all we got like we have to fill out paperwork for that and you can just do it sometimes you know there's a lot of things that we're we're obviously really involved in when it comes to the community but when kind of when it comes to reaching every need and you're right and if you want to go out and bless your sphere the best and most most effective way is for you to go out and to bless your sphere. And I don't think that's a cop out. Some people would say, no. well, that's just the church no. not wanting to, you know, get behind me or support me. And it's not that. It's the wrong function. It, it doesn't function if everything that happens good from church people has to officially go through the channels of the, the church organization. Yeah, that's right. And we're doing good things. I mean, we, we, we give out thousands of dollars to help with people's rent and medical bills. And every month we're, we're doing that. Every, every month we have people that are out, you know, caring for foster parents and taking care of kids at risk. And um, there's good things happening through the church. 
Um, but I don't, I never want to lose sight of what can happen through individual believers in their place of work. Mm, yeah. And that's what I think Jesus intended, right? To set up that, yeah. we, that everyone that would catch this gospel uh, would feel that uh, weight of this is what we all have to do. You know, it's not up to somebody else. That's yeah. good. So, well, next week, again, we'll be uh, live uh, with a Q&A from our district conference. Please come back and check that out. Steve, it was great talking with you today. And uh, we'll talk to you next week in Beaverton, Oregon. Sounds good.